Hey, welcome back. Jordan Cunningham. Good to be here. Yeah, legislator from uh, Paso Robles in California. Indeed. Sixth year. Sixth year. How are you feeling? Feeling good, man. Yeah. We've, got, we've gotten a lot of good stuff done for the district and the state. I'm going to finish this year out strong. I announced uh, I'm not going to seek another term. So I'm going to go home after this year <sighs> and be full-time dad and lawyer and gonna miss see you, what's man. next. Going to miss you. You're good. I won't be gone, though. Totally gone, right? No, Timmy, you'll be gone. <laughs> You'll be gone to me. They do forget you fast, I hear. Dude, <laughs> didn't you want the rabbit ear filter? You got the rabbit ear filter for him, the little, little rabbit ears. They're live, man. I don't even know what you're talking Never about. Never mind, I man. Well, I watch YouTube, and you'll see these people on there, and they'll like do this uh, like this YouTube video on, I don't know. Is that the thing Joe Rogan wears? Medieval? No. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know what he wears. I have. I will admit, I've only watched a couple of Joe Rogan podcasts, yeah. or watched or listened to them. But there was one I watched that actually changed my entire approach to sleeping because he had that? this UCLA neuroscientist on that went through all the different he studies of brainwaves about That's sleep. Right. And I realized that I am shortchanging my life and productivity by trying to push through with five or six hours. What of was sleep. the bottom line? Get at least seven hours minimum mm-hmm. for an adult, uh, and cool your room down. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started wearing an eye mask, you know, really? so the sunlight in the morning doesn't wake me up. Does Apple make those? Uh, Amazon. The eye, ma- the eye mask? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're made by some Chinese You do, so company. really, so you cool the room, put on an eye mask. Cool the room, get under the covers, put the eye mask on, and then sometimes I use ear sound blockers for the ears. And, uh, and it changes your life. I'm, my mood's more stable. Like, I feel healthier. I rarely ever get sick anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, man. Solid seven. You know, that's what really... It's a little harder when I'm with the kids, but, you know. What about here in Sacramento? Here, it's easy. Yeah. Yeah. That's one, one of the things that really pisses me off about... One of the things that really pisses me off about um, um, what's going on with Joe Rogan right now with, you know, these people trying to cancel him on Spotify is, do they even listen to him? Because I don't think many of them do. That is just a fraction of a fraction of what he talks about like i first got into him because i was just watching ufc fighters yeah and i was like oh this guy has ufc fighters on awesome right and so i would watch the mma and the ufc folks and then i grew into other shit like people that hunt stuff and you know what i mean just people yeah. would have all these different scientists on there cartel guys yeah he had J- dave chappelle i listened to that one yeah they're just talking about comedy Dave Chappelle's actually surprisingly serious when he's not like on stage. It was actually yeah. kind of a boring interview, <laughs> but but I found the whole thing fascinating. You know, I mean, yeah. but that's like I don't understand it because Spotify paid him what thirty million dollars or something. I mean, he's the most downloaded podcast in the in the world, and he makes a ton of money for Spotify. And because he occasionally has guests on or says some mm-hmm. things that are not considered, uh, you know, mainstream or whatever you want to call it. Now there's this big movement to yeah, because get him he, canceled. It's ridiculous. Because he has a conversation that right. they disagree right. with. This whole this whole imbroglio is just driving me crazy. Yeah, I'm I'm over it. Um the worst one to me were the Royals. Uh Meghan Markle and the Prince. Oh or the my former God. the man formerly who was a prince. People tried to cancel me over a statement I made. Now I don't have enough of a following to cancel. <laughs> so it was a joke. <laughs> Your cancellation would just be <laughs> Whatever My kids are like, you're getting canceled, Dad. I'm like, who cares? I don't know. Like, no, there's nothing to cancel. Do I get a letter for that? Like, I don't. <laughs> but I put something out on my personal Facebook page 
about the royals, the fake royals. Mm -hmm. And because I was getting all these news media feeds on my phone about Markle and mm -hmm. Prince Harry. Is it Harry? Is it Harry? Former, former, former Prince. And I'm like, I don't care about these people. Like, I just don't. I'm not yeah. into royalty. Like, I'm not into monarchy. I don't find them interesting. Like, I, I just don't want news alerts on it, right? So I put a comment out there saying effectively that. And it was more a comment about the the lunacy of our world that I, I, I never subscribe to any news alert with them in it. And I can't seem to stop getting these things. It's like if you didn't like the NFL, right? You're not into football? Yeah. Cool. Like, would you want score updates blasted to your phone all goddamn Sunday? Right. No, you wouldn't. Okay, that's all I was saying. And I had all these people on there that I have since defriended that were, like, insinuating that my statement was racist. Oh, my like, God. What? <laughs> like, well, I should. I might be in trouble then because one of my favorite guests I've ever had on, and she's actually been one of the most popular, um, is a woman named Susanna Lipscomb. She's I a, listened to that. She's really good. It was a good interview. Yeah, yeah. she's awesome. And so I have this little thing I like about like British monarchy, but like only pre 1700s. Like I don't care what happened after because okay. it really didn't exist when after they, then. They actually had juice and like ran the world. Right, yeah. right. Back okay. when they had power, right. Yeah. And so I'm very interested in the Tudors and the Plantagenets and the Normans, right? I, I am um, simply because you know, you know, one of my favorite sayings is. History doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. That's um, good. This is good, good right? Yeah. And I've tried to dig into it, and I can't figure out who said it. People attribute it to Mark Twain, but he didn't say it. Um, so some dude said it, right? But anyway, it's true. History rhymes. And by, you know, I feel by studying all of these, you know, older monarchies and stuff, it can give us a key into where our world is going and what's happening because humans don't change. It's the same shit. Yeah. We just wear different stuff and have different toys. But yeah. humanity does, human nature does not change, in they, my opinion. They, many, many countries in the world, to your point, effectively replaced monarchy with some style of communist dictatorship, right? So, I mean, it's a centralized government run by a handful of people, right? And, <laughs> and the exchange and then, they went for yeah, they just sort of okay. It's not a king government. anymore. Now it's you know different the premier, name. right? Yeah, yeah. Similar same, results, same factory, different door. Yeah. Um. So, oh, before we leave, you were talking about how you get you know all of these updates on like I couldn't unsubscribe from them. <laughs> like I couldn't figure so, out how to block them. So one of my things is on Instagram, uh, there's a there's a UFC fighter Rose Namajunas. Now, I can never pronounce her freaking name. Uh Thug Rose. Okay. Her deal though, is she's bald. She's got a shaved head. So I subscri I subscribe so you to like her. her, obviously. Huh? You like her hair? I do I like her like, hair. Yeah, okay. We're kindred. <laughs> um so I like her. She's a great fighter. She's, like people are very attached to her because of her story. So I'm constantly getting freaking like you might like of bald chicks. Like, <laughs> like he's got your type. Yes. I think they think that's my type, you know, and they're sitting like, all these I things. I just on. like good fighters. Like, yeah. Good. I like a fighter who happens to be bald and I get all oh, constantly, you know, you get these, you know, whatever Instagram people who are bald. So anyway, I think it's funny. I next, know. next, it's going to be bald dudes. Yeah. And you're going to be going, wait, <laughs> what are they telling me? When I was 25, people always ask me like, hey, when did you start losing your hair? I know exactly when it happened. I was 25 and two people got me the same, the exact same birthday card. The exact same card. It was about going bald. So you're going bald. And I was like, fuck, am I, I guess. You went, you went bald at 25? At 25. Well, I didn't go this bald, okay. but I started right. losing my hair. So California. 
Well, last time yeah. you were here, we were talking. We had a great conversation about, uh, oh, my point is, let me go back to this. Susanna Lipscomb is one of my favorite, right? Because of, I, lo- I love what she does with her, her study of the monarchy and her shows. But there's another one, woman on there named Kate Williams on the BBC. And she's more of the ro- current royal per- pe- person. Um, so she's the go-to on the BBC when they talk about the royals. So I want to get her on the show. Yeah. Because after what has happened with, you know, Megan and her, her, you know, her guy and all the other stuff, you know, Queen Elizabeth dying, like what's going to happen to the royals? Are they still, do they still serve a purpose now? And I think they do. I think they do. But what is that purpose actually going to be? I don't know. I don't understand monarchy. It's just foreign to the way I think. I, I don't get the, I guess it's a ceremonial thing. I think so. Secure makes you feel like, oh, this is it. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I got no answer for you. I find it bizarre that people are that fascinated by the, and they're not even royalty anymore. They like left, right? Yeah. They left the country. They left. They gave it up. The crown. Yeah. All that stuff. And it's like, why do I, why should I care about these people? My my concern, my concern is now I'm going to get canceled. Oh, if you do that. Yeah. Do you think? Well, they'll come for you. They will. But probably, I don't know on Facebook anyway. Because I'm going hard. But I thought it was great because I just defriended all those people. Oh, God. You didn't even know. Did you have any idea they were like royal fanatic, royal files? No, I had no idea. And some of these people are people, you know, again, this is my personal Facebook page, not my state mm-hmm. thing or my campaign thing. Some of them are people I hadn't seen since high school. I just, you know, had gotten linked up with them because we went to the same high school, you know, in the, in the early 90s or something. And so I didn't even like know them. I'm like, well, this is also weird that these people that I have literally not seen or talked to in 25 years, like uh, th- th- they feel like they have license to like insult me on this thing because I nice. made a social observation that's, by the way, I think perfectly valid. Like I'm not telling you not to like the Royals or right. you not to like be into right. it. I'm just saying I'm not and I don't want to get these alerts and updates any longer, right? It was right around the time they did that Oprah show. Uh, yeah. So then it I was, was accused then. of being insensitive to yeah. whatever they discussed on that show. I think it was mental illness. And I illness. think ra- and race got injected. And race got that. injected. Yeah. That. And I didn't know that. So I said, you know, I had to update my thing. I have not watched the Oprah interview. <laughs> I never will watch the Oprah interview. I'm not into Oprah or the royalty. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I, so please don't accuse me of something because I have no knowledge of what they discussed at that thing. Nor will I ever. All right. Well, I'll, yeah. I'll brace myself for the feedback or for the pushback. Um, last time we were here, we talked about Mark Zuckerberg, and I think we're both um, huge fans of his. Okay. Um, <laughs> but since then, he's come out with the metaverse. Can you explain to me what the freaking metaverse is? Now, I, before we came here. No, okay. but I can try. Okay. Because I, the only way I can wrap my mind around this is – you know, I did a tour once of a techie thing and they showed some early generation VR goggle thing where you put these goggles on and you're in this room, right? And you could actually like watch a sporting event as if you were sitting at the stadium, right? Or sitting at a bar, like they could recreate things with, you know, and this was six, seven, eight years ago. So I'm sure the technology has advanced far beyond that. And it was, it was pretty cool. I like, I can I can see the value of it. And then I watch all four of my children. The only video game that all... I have two girls and two boys. Uh, three of them are teens. The only video game they've all loved and played over the years is Minecraft. And they'll get in there and spend hours just building little worlds and things in Minecraft. They just are super into it. So I think the metaverse is like 
maybe like a Minecraft for grownups. With money? With a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people were like buying right. real, real estate. estate. So I could see the market value of that, right? Because if you want, say you want to, you're big into shopping, which I'm not. Mm-hmm. But say, you, you know, you and you want to go to like a recreation of Saks Fifth, Fifth Avenue, rather than getting on an airplane and flying to New York City, like you can put on these VR goggles, go into the metaverse, Saks Fifth Avenue, be there, go simulate touching, looking at clothes or shoes or whatever the hell people buy in Saks Fifth Avenue. But you don't. And, it, and I could. So I and you can do that sitting in your living room, right? But you don't so, get anything, right, materially. Well, I think what they'll eventually do, uh, besides data mining the hell out of all your use of it, which <laughs> Facebook is very good at, yeah, right, right, is they will then pair that up with, you know, some sort of shopping delivery thing of the physical item that you went and looked at. Like, that's where I see the market going, so mm-hmm. I can see the value of it. And then we've got a whole generation of people addicted to Minecraft, too. So, you know. Do we? There's, yeah, basically, yeah. We got a 22-year-old or, what are, hey, Kyle, what are you, 22? 24. Do you play Minecraft? My brother played all day when he was a kid. For yeah. 10 years, yeah. My 7-year-old watches videos on YouTube of other people playing Minecraft. That's to, a to thing To learn now. tricks. And I think it's the weirdest thing ever. Like, I just don't Twitch. Even... Is it on Twitch or... Oh, it's... Right. Uh, he just he just basically searches YouTube for Minecraft videos. And then yeah. He, you know, watch, he'll watch them for hours if we don't let him, but he would. And, and you know, he, I think I think you're one point on the retail prospects of um, the metaverse are kind of legitimate. So if I go on Amazon, I look at a flat page, right? And I pick out a pair of shoes. But what I could do in the metaverse is go into that same store and walk down a uh-huh. aisle, uh-huh. right? A yeah. VR or a VR aisle, grab a shoe, look at it 3D, you know, or not 3D, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Look yeah. at it as if it's in my hand, put it on the shelf and then order it and have that shoe delivered to me. Are you saying that's- I think that's the that direction it's going. And that, and I think that's why you're seeing people with more money than they know what to do with buy up this metaverse real now, estate. Now the real estate, I don't yeah. get. The real estate- Well, they, you know, it'd be like a recreation of some famous village that you'd always wanted to go to or something, or it's a recreation of, 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 of Wall Street, or it's a recreation of, you know, some famous location- this uh, uh, people are also buying islands, so they're building that, their yeah. own little special VR houses on their on own an island, island. from their apartment. From their apartment, exist. yes, yeah. It's 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 weird. It's totally weird. But I can kind of I can kind of see, I can see the appeal to certain people. So I can see the appeal, and this kind of has a bridge over. Or so what about watches? Right, you and I are we, we're we watch like watches, guys. right? Yeah, you ever gone on the thing and says try this on and you can like yeah. pretend it's on your wrist if you hold it up to the phone camera or whatever uh-huh. you could go in like some fancy watch store in in the vr metaverse and go try on a bunch of you know watches you'd been interested in buying and then you know go buy one yeah or I, like I, have it ordered shipped it i think there are, i think there are retail applications for sure yeah on, on the metaverse for sure i think a lot of it's like you know something for people with a lot of time to just like go screw around. I mean, I think that's part of it too. But don't you think that um, this is kind of saying something about our society today, about how unfulfilling It's very empty... Wally to me. Have you seen I that movie? I didn't see Wally. Uh-uh. It's fascinating social commentary. People just, humans in some future are on some giant spaceship and they are all completely overweight and sedentary and they just sit in these chairs and exist in like- Like idiocracy? Video- yeah, kind of like that. Kind of like that. And, it, and their whole existence is through virtual reality. But then in actual physical form, they're all like 500 pounds and they just sit in a chair all day flying around in a spaceship. 
I think that's where we're going. I really do, and I don't mean <laughs> to sound <laughs> I don't mean to sound dystopian, uh, uh, but well, I think we are. Yeah. Of course, we live in a dystopia right now in California. Um, <laughs> so that kind of gets us over to <laughs> the Golden State Segway. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's I tell that, you, my walking friends, around the Segway, walking around downtown Bitches. Sacramento, it's it's got a bit of a dystopian feel. It sometimes. does. It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. I'm not kidding. If you saw the pictures of what's happening in California on the rail lines down in L.A., oh my god, that was as dystopian as it gets. In fact, it looked I, like Slumdog Millionaire. It did. It I, did. Th- I thought it, looked it was like, like a scene from Slumdog Millionaire. Yeah. No, no oh, offense. Oh, that's to, L.A. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but that's L.A. If you would have shown anybody the picture, you would have scrubbed off Southern Pacific and said, hey, what country is this in? They would have said, ah, oh, Bangladesh. Bangladesh. Yeah. yeah. Legos. <laughs> right? Yeah. Not the toys. It's not good. Yeah. So, so you've been here for six years. You've seen this evolve. I have my very strong opinions on what has led us to this pit place in California where we walk amongst... Literally a dystopian landscape. Often, where you go in California, and you know what else? We also live in places that are like in a bubble, that yeah. are completely unaffected, where the elites who make these decisions um, live. Right. So yeah. our governors, one, our former governor Jerry Brown, who I believe is really the father of a lot of this stuff. I know, I know you have a good relationship with him, and I'll just say this on my behalf: um, he pushed the uh, getting rid of bail. He pushed Prop 47. He funded Prop 57. He was all about the realignment, in other words, moving felons from state prison back down to j- local jails, which then impacted the local jail population, which meant that if you're arrested, you were immediately released because there was no room at the local jail. Yeah. So um, I believe that the legacy of Jerry Brown is going to be the current state of crime that we have. In, well, that and the high-speed rail. High speed rail, I think, will be his other. Um, I bet if legacy. you asked Jerry, those wouldn't be his top two <laughs> <laughs> at this point. <laughs> but that's a fair point. It's yeah. and it, you're right. It started with realignment, really. And I was I was in the uh, working in the DA's office as a prosecutor in San Luis County when that came through. That change in law was mm-hmm. was made, and the impact was like immediate. I mean, w- they moved the non 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 so non violent non sexual predator, and, and I think I think it was non murder. Uh, they they moved so, but these were people that were doing serious time, convicted mm-hmm. of serious stuff, human trafficking, narcotics trafficking, and are bad people, gang banging stuff, right? A lot of these folks were serious felons, right? And they looked at their last bit, and if they were in the non 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 category, they got quote unquote realigned, like you said, to the local jail, right, to serve their time out. It was a it was a hackneyed way to try to comply with a federal court order to reduce prison population effectively. I mean, that's really the impetus behind it. So the j- the jails got full with felons. So now jails aren't a place that you put somebody that needs to clean up and dry out for yeah. 30 days. Right. You're, you know, your fourth time DUI offender or whatever it is. Uh, jails now are full of hardcore felons. The jails, you know, we, we didn't run out and build a bunch of new jails. So they all got full, right? Now you got nowhere to put the misdemeanants, the people that need psychiatric treatment, the people that need mm-hmm. drug treatment. I mean, people don't like incarcerating people, but I can tell you having, you know, before I was elected, I did some court-appointed work, you know, to help out the judges and stuff. I mean, some of, some people, you're fooling yourself if you think some of these people can get away from drugs themselves, right? Uh, jail was a, the only place they would not try to go score. And, and it took about 30 days on average, especially for the heroin, the meth addicts, heroin probably a little longer. But jail was a place they could go clean up, dry out, 
and then be integrated into the services to try to get them off their addiction, right? So we, we effectively, between that and defunding drug courts, we effectively remove that option, right? So now those folks are on the streets and they have been for 10 years. Then Prop 47 comes and it essentially reclassifies a bunch of things, including theft, if, as long as it's under $995, or excuse me, $950, which includes, by the way, all handguns. <laughs> Virtually all handguns are less than $950. You can steal a gun and be in possession of a stolen firearm, and it is it is a sight-out misdemeanor in California. They, there's a, there, well, I went to a conference when I was a DA, and it, there was a case where the Riverside Sheriff stopped a, a known gangbanger, and he had on his possession a stolen firearm. And because there was no room at their jail, and because of Prop 47 declaring that a misdemeanor, they handed him a citation took the gun, handed him a citation, said, you have to appear in court in three months. And he said, quote unquote, you're not taking me to jail? They said, no, we can't. And he goes, uh, but I have a stolen gun on me. And they go, this is the law. And he says, what a country. <laughs> 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 quote unquote, I talked to the deputy that arrested him. It was, um, I mean, that's where we're at, right? So that's Prop 47 and then from Prop 57 also. So we have the, well, for, we had the realignment. Right, mm -hmm. realignment Which completely overpopulated yep. the jails, and then we reclassified a bunch of felony conduct to misdemeanor only, mm -hmm. and then we did zero bail during COVID, and right. they tried to eliminate bail here, but the voters wisely un undid that. Hopefully, or they passed a referendum overturning yeah. it. You yeah, know, you know all about that, right? And now we're at the place where organized retail thefts happening, but we have defanged all the laws that would have stopped it. Yeah, I mean, you know, as long as a team of people. Uh, is only stealing $949 or less worth of stuff, right. they, they just get cited out for with a court date to appear later and they go right back to the next store. Yeah. And I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but you can go to Walgreens here, to CVS there, to Walgreens there. They don't aggregate that necessarily, do they? So they, if you're They'd have to catch you all with the stuff at the same time, mm -hmm. right? So as long as you're hitting Walgreens, dumping your stuff somewhere, mm -hmm. then you go hit Target, dump your stuff somewhere. Coles, dump your stuff somewhere. As long as you don't have 950 or more on your possession at, at the time, time, yeah, you're going to get a citation. You know, so there's a there's another assemblyman in California um, named Jim Cooper. He's a former sheriff, might be a future Lo sheriff. Love me some Coop. Yeah, so he, um, Democrat, um, he ran he uh, he got behind an initiative, um, mm -hmm. qualified it, and uh, yeah, got it put on the ballot, and he went to CVS. He went to Walgreens, and this would have undone many parts of Prop 47, especially that one, the one regarding theft, right? And it would have changed Prop 47 so that we can start arresting these people and, and holding them and putting them behind bars. Um, none of them funded his initiative. He said I, they were yeah. all afraid of getting of getting the the governor mad at them, or they were afraid that you know the administration might get upset with them on other things that they had you know in the legislature in play. Walgreens, who's shutting down places, CVS, who's shutting down places, the California Retail Association, who stands for these people who are getting robbed blind, refused to put any money into into changing Prop 47. So Cooper's initiative, which would have changed a lot of this stuff we're talking about, yeah. it died because all the money went into the, no, we need to keep this, we need to keep the status quo. Yeah, well, we don't want to lock up people for addiction. Okay, we don't do that. 
we haven't done that since Prop 36 in 1997 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Like that, if you think people are being locked up just for possession, like in prison or incarcerated for long periods simply for possession of drugs, like that's not happening. Okay, we haven't done that in 20 years. So they use these myths, right? And they're able to manipulate public opinion. And like any initiative, if you don't have the resources to correct the inaccurate information and tell the voters really what's going on, you know, you're in trouble. And that doesn't surprise me. This, you know, this place is interesting. There's a lot of Stockholm syndrome here. So why do you, I mean, does that make sense to you that they would, that, you know, the folks that are shutting down their stores, that they would refuse to put a penny into something that could fix that? What are the politics of that? It makes sense to me from a, um, from a loss prevention standpoint. I mean, I worked in retail briefly and from in college in the summers and the the it was a chain and the store had a four percent loss not loss prevention they had a four percent loss factor like they just budgeted into their business model that four percent of their shit was going to get stolen a year okay so you know so stores account for that already to a degree you know and you know walmart can take a lot of theft before it like affects their profitability, right? A target can take a lot of coals, can take a lot of it. You know, so now if it goes above that threshold, they hire an extra security guard maybe, or they, you know, I mean, the big guys can, it's just like anything, the, the, you know, the legislature, the people with the most influence are the, are, the, are the corporations and the labor unions that have the dough. The people who get hurt by these bad policies are, Mom and pop retailers, mm-hmm. and you know your local right, jewelry right, right. store. Not Target. Down. Yeah, yeah, Target's going to be fine, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you pass some law that affects Taco Bell, like they're going to be fine. Like they're going to they're going to be compl- mm-hmm. compliant with every wage and hour thing because they go hire the lawyers and the accountants to to you know and the, and the payroll consultants and whatever, and they've got their stuff tightened up. Taco Temple, mm-hmm. great restaurant in my district, by the Is way, Morro nice. Bay. Taco nice Temple plug. gets screwed, right? They're the ones who don't have those resources to absorb the cost Correct. of the bad policy. That's right. So it does That's make right. sense to me on an economic level. Well, I heard It is th- unfortunate though, because, you know, I, I think, uh, I loved, by the way, when Governor Newsom, mm-hmm. like he did, uh, he had some quotes about enough's enough, organized retail mm-hmm. thefts got to stop, announced a task force. Oh, you don't need a task force, bro. Like yeah, you just don't. change these two laws. That's right. <laughs> change zero That's bail mm-hmm. for that for, for theft and change Prop 47 for theft. And then you just go out and prosecute people yep. and arrest them and problem will stop. But the backdrop of this article was like a, uh, uh, what's the fancy purse store? You Gucci? Probably, you probably know. Yeah. Uh, um, Louis Vuitton. Oh, yeah. No, I don't use so those purses. Okay. Yeah. So I was joking around because this came up at a, at a, a chamber thing I did with Senator mm-hmm. Laird. And I was like, well, now it's got the governor's attention because they're stealing from rich people. <laughs> <laughs> what? You hit Louis Vuitton? Yeah. Now I'm angry. <laughs> I am angry now. Now you I'm know, Then the mayor of San Francisco is up there going, this has got to end. It's bullshit. You know? Oh, well, I guess you just have to steal from rich people. This and now is... all of a sudden the elites are, are very concerned. No, you're damn right. <laughs> and so, you know, in fact... You know, we want to ignore that, or we want to we want to we want to make light of it, which I do. But it's it's so true. So last year there was a bill uh, by Senator Hertzberg, right, who's now running for Los An- here in California, who's now running for Soup, right? Los Angeles County Supervisor, and whose son is now running for California Senate to replace him. He had a bill to um, because uh, for those who, of you who aren't in California, the California Legislature ran a bill mm, four years ago to undo bail or to get rid of cash bail, what they call cash bail. 
Um, and it passed the legislature on its second try. We stopped and, it the first time on the floor. That's right, on the floor. Me, me and Cooper spoke against it. He gave a great speech, by the way. Thank you. It was good. It's one of my favorite um, moments of my first term. Yeah, yeah. But, the, you, but you, then they passed it the next yeah, year. <laughs> they <laughs> we, snuck it we, in. We just delayed it a little bit. So then last year, after the, the state of California, by 75%, did a referendum and overturned the legislature's getting rid of bail in the state of California, um, Senator Hertzberg decided to run another bill to undo bail. Uh, he phrased it a little differently because in California, um, if the people have done a referendum on something, you have to not touch it for a while because the people have spoken. You got to leave it alone. But he decided to put in another bill to undo bail. But he phrased it a little differently to say, well, it's not the same thing. I'm not undoing the will, will of the people, whatever. Um, that's yeah, why, you kind of are, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you can't – when you have a supermajority, you can't tell people those types of things. Yeah. Um, so – that bill had made it to the floor of the assembly. So it was one floor vote away, right? It was a floor fight. It was one floor vote away from potentially going to the governor who had already indicated that he would sign another bill to undo bail. And you know what? Let's talk about bail for a second. So bail simply means that if you commit a crime and you're released, that you have to come back. You have to come back to court. So yep. that the victims can have their day in court, right? That means so if Jordan, if I catch Jordan breaking into a the you know a window of a house to to commit a burglary, all I'm doing with bail, and he he posts bail, um, it just says, okay, you have to come back. You know he doesn't have to do that. He can go f that. I don't have any money. I'm going to jail. I'll just stay in jail. Yeah, I'll stay in jail. So, you know, there's. Interesting things about bail. I've done both prosecution and criminal defense. So mm -hmm. I've done both sides of bail, right? Uh, one, there is a constitutional federal right to bail, which is apparently this legislature is unaware of or ignores, mm -hmm. right? And there's a liberty argument for bail. Right. Because under the law of even California, uh, the, you have to make special findings. It has to be terrorism or murder to be able to, and a judge has to make special findings that you are. A, a significant danger to the public before you can be denied bail. So everyone else has a right to it other than those exceptional circumstances, right? Because you're being, your liberty's being deprived, mm -hmm. you're being detained before you've been adjudicated, found guilty, right? So there's a, almost a libertarian constitutional argument for the importance of bail, right? So that's sort of what people, that's totally missing from the conversation, by it the is. way. It is. And debate. But there's also a public safety benefit to bail because like you said, it ensures that people show up to court, right? Because if not, then they lose, they forfeit their bond, and their bondsman has to go get them. Correct. And that helps free up law enforcement resources because the right. sheriff department and the police departments don't have the resources to be tracking down. You know, I, I when I was a DA, I, I routinely see people with 16, 17 warrants, you know, for failures to appear all over the state of California mm -hmm. before they finally actually get, you know, pulled over for speeding, and somebody runs, oh, you, you got to go in. Right. So uh, there, there's an efficiency argument for the court system and it ensures that they are going they stand to lose money if they don't show up to court for their proceedings. Right. Correct. So they've got skin in the game. Now, you take that away. What motivation do they have to even show up? None. I mean, if you're accused of a, a felony, even a mild felony, like there's not much of a benefit to you going to your court date. <laughs> like these, these are not pleasant proceedings for yes. you. Like even if you have a great lawyer, it's not really that fun. Right. Yeah. So 
that's missing from the conversation. And there's an important aspect to, you know, for victims to be protected, especially in the domestic violence realm, man. I mean, yeah. s- some of these people largely, you know, overwhelmingly statistically, the victims of domestic violence are women. It goes both ways, but overwhelming. And some of them are really like live in fear. I mean, they are, they've been terrorized by this person, you know, stalking people, uh, you know, d- bad serial domestic violence abusers and them being held, you know, while their case is going on, gives that space for the victim to go seek help, go, you know, call mom and dad and go to a women's shelter, go to, you know, go get some help and protection, have time to move their stuff out of their place, you know, without worrying that somebody, you know, their abuser is going to show back up, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, That is also lost out of the conversation. Um, And by the way, you don't have to, they say, like, let's say, your standard in my county, your standard felony bail amount for your run-of-the-mill felony is, starts at fifty thousand dollars. You don't post fifty thousand no. dollars. You give the bail bondsman eight to ten percent as their risk premium, and that's and negotiable. They go post the 50, yeah. yeah, and and that's negotiable. It's I think eight percent is the lowest they're allowed to do. Yeah, and I think ten percent's the highest. Okay. So it's negotiable within a two percent range, okay. right? So you have to come up with four or five thousand dollars. Credit card, family, sure. Tap your savings if you got it. Four hundred one k, right? You got it. You know, people come up with it all sorts of ways. Um, I think it, there is a disproportionate impact on people without resources. That's true because they don't are less likely to come up with the dough. But um, but there are a lot of benefits to the system, and it's been working fairly well for a long, long time. Yeah. And to just throw it all out and you know yeah. Like they're always trying to do, especially when the voters, 70% of California yeah. said, said, no thanks on that. <laughs> yeah. Like, we've got well, enough people on the streets committing crimes already. Like yeah. we're good. Let's you know? make someone answer. So the, the point was that Bill was like a vote away, right? And then a horrendous crime happened in a very nice oh, area right. of Sacramento where a lot of land legislators, park. Land, land Park, park yeah. and there's a lot of legislators, former legislators, staff. Um, lobbyists live in that area, right? Land yep. Park, it's close to the Capitol, for yep. those of you who aren't here. Very nice homes there. Nice homes, close to the Capitol, has that population, right, of, uh, of you know, the, not the elite, but you know what I'm talking about. It's the, the, the political. It's, it, it's the Sacramento elite, for Yeah, sure. the Sacramento elite, yeah. that's right. Old school Sacramento families live in that area. Um, it was a horrible crime. Uh, poor innocent woman, you know, we don't need to get into the details of it. A dog was involved. Um, there was arson and it happened right in that neighborhood. It brought that bill to a halt. And the perpetrator, right? Perpetrator was out. He had been released. He'd been released. Yeah. Numerous times released. Um, uh, homeless, we don't need to get into the homeless part. Um, he didn't, but he had been released numerous times. He was out, had just been released. So that brought the bill to a halt, right, on the on the floor of the assembly. Here's the horrible thing. Crimes like that happen all the freaking time. Every day. But it wasn't usually, the right. Usually in the non-elite neighborhoods, though. That's right. That's the thing. The, the impact of these misguided policies on crime hurt the poorest people in the, in the state. That's right. Disproportionately. But those voices are never heard. Those voices no. are lost. Yeah. It's when it happened to the woman that was the neighbor in this great area of Sacramento. That's when we got same thing in L.A. Um, what really got L.A. going on this stuff was when the Avant family had been followed back to their home, right in Fairfax. He was the guy who was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He was a very, very 
very, you know, well-off, um, you know, African-American man and beloved by everybody. But, you know, he wasn't of the usual, you know, victim profile. And that got everybody up in arms. Oh, my God, we can't believe this happened. This shit happens every day, man. Happens every day. But they're the wrong profile. So um, it's really sad. So when you say that the, you know, the elites and the electeds got involved once they saw Louis Vuitton and a Gucci getting robbed, you're not wrong. <laughs> That's how it is. You're exactly right. <laughs> um, you know, I had referred to, you know, go former Governor Brown as having been, in my opinion, you know, the, 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 the father of where we're at right now because of the because of what he pushed. You could not pick a more privilege, a more privilegy. His dad was person. the governor. Dad was the governor. <laughs> he was born in the mansion, practically. Sister was treasurer, right? <laughs> right. Sister was treasurer. He ran for president four times. Yeah. <laughs> he went to Yale and Berkeley. He, after he left office, he retired to this huge family ranch. Like, if you have a family ranch, you're already, right? Yeah, you're yeah, in that You're yeah, in that class. Pretty well, yeah. Yeah, in Tehama County, which I don't know if you've been to Tehama. Like, not really, you know, crawling with, you know, lots of uh, car thieves. No. So, so um, it's easy for guys like that to sit up on his ranch in Tehama, his family ranch that they've owned for generations, and, you know, come up with these proclamations, oh, there should be no bail. He doesn't have to live this shit. I think Jerry Brown should have to go, I don't know, let's pick a place, Huntington Park. He should get an apartment in Huntington Park. Like a two-bedroom. Or if he wants to come to my district, Santa Maria. Santa Maria. Get some yeah. in Santa Maria I've been to Santa Maria. Infested by gangs. Yeah, MS it's working class. And, yeah. and you have working class people. They're try, just right. trying to live. Yep. And he should get an apartment, two-bedroom. We'll give him two bedrooms. And get a job at Target and do that for two weeks. And see if that changes his freaking uh, life. And live with the reality that those folks live with. Where yeah, you every don't, day. You don't feel safe at any point in your in your life. Trying to raise a family. Yeah, you are always worried. Yeah, about, always. You know, something happening to you or your kids. And and, and it's it, it's a shame. It really is. I mean, and, and you know, Governor Brown and Newsom has continued to sign a lot of these bills that uh, we are watering down sentencing enhancements, making it harder for gang enhancements to be uh, added to charges. Um, we are, they passed a law. I spoke against it on the floor. Uh, on, we weren't able to stop it removing the mandatory five-year sentencing enhancement for use of a firearm in the commission of a violent felony. So it used to be, until this law was signed, that if you used a gun in the commission of a robbery or a rape or a, you know, a, a, some type of serious violent felony, you got a five-year sentencing enhancement added to your, to your prison term. Uh, now that's subject to judicial discretion and the judge has to make all these findings that it's appropriate, which I find funny uh, you know, as a, a moderate Second Amendment guy, right? My district's very pro-gun. You know, it's rural. Um, they're doing everything they can in the world in this building, in this legislature, to make life difficult for the 99.9% of us that are law-abiding gun owners. Yeah. Like, all these hoops after hoop after hoop and yeah. all, and patting themselves on the back like they're doing something to, to solve gun violence. You, no, you're not. But at the same time, the same legislature is watering down enhancements for the people, the 0.01% of people that use guns to do crime. Correct. That's right. <laughs> it's just mad. It, it, it is. It makes no <laughs> sense. It's so illogical, man. It's so illogical. Um, but don't open your restaurant, right, during pandemic. 
Because they, they will have all the power of the government <laughs> shutting your ass down. Here comes ABC. Here comes OSHA. Here right, comes... right. Uh. So so I uh, I saw something really sad the other day. So I was down, you know, in Sacramento. There's a street called X Street. and It runs parallel to the freeway, Highway 50. And there are homeless camps all underneath Highway 50. It's that like are a, not, it looks not, like a tent city. It is. And it's yeah. it's long. It's very long. It's not as bad as L.A., but it's, it's there. And I think the state has a – do they have a – a, not a do they have a policy where they won't remove the the state won't we've dealt with this in my issue it's a, in my district it's everywhere right there's encampments under freeway overpasses anywhere where the state owns the land because caltrans will not evict people off of state land okay so you, you, we called caltrans in my district a uh, half dozen times to try to do something because we get complaints from constituents like hey there's there are 17 tents under the freeway overpass and my kid mm -hmm. has to walk near there to get to school or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. uh, can you do something about that? And the answer is no, we can't because the state will not evict anybody off of state lands, which is why the people are congregating there. So there's a gas station across from there, right? And I, I go there sometimes to get a monster. By the way, I'm open for sponsorships. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. If you drink enough of them, you should I know. probably get a sponsorship. I know. I think I drink more than water. Um, Does it give you wings like Red Bull? <laughs> no, Red no. Bull gives you wings. <laughs> no, it'll probably give me some kind of disease. I'm sure my innards are being eaten as we speak. They're going to discover that like vitamin B12 actually causes cancer. And or or taurine. <laughs> taurine. Taurine. <laughs> but, die of a heart attack at but, 65. But only if swallowed in small amounts over long periods of time. <laughs> Other than that, you're safe. Dang it. <laughs> CDC, where were you on this? <laughs> Same people tell you not to eat red meat. So I uh, I was at the gas station across from there, and there's a young young uh, Latina working there. She looked like she was about 21, and it was like six o'clock. And I'm like, hey, if you don't mind me asking, like, some crazy shit across the street from you over there. Like, how do you feel? And she's like, yeah, you know, I lock all the doors when it gets dark, and I just do business through the window. And I go, well, what do you do? How do you get home? She's like, um, I have either my boyfriend or my father come pick me up. Because I don't want to walk into the parking lot at night. Probably smart. Dude, that's how we're living. That's sad. That's how we're living, yeah. right? Yeah. On the other side, um, there's, I guess, now kind of like an annex <laughs> across the street from the primary homeless encampment. Um, God bless them. Um, and uh, they're on the sidewalk. And so I saw another young Latina. And she had a little, looks like a little three-year-old with her walking him and a baby stroller. And they were coming down the sidewalk. And the tents are now on the sidewalk. It's so she's kind of spilling out. Yeah, they're spilling out. And she didn't want to like, so like the tents are halfway into the sidewalk. She's like going to the street. Or she went into the street. Oh so God. she took her three-year-old and her baby stroller and went into the street, right? And around a couple of cars and got back on the sidewalk. And I'm like, this is how we're living. This so, is how we're living. And then you've got the other effect you mentioned, which is everybody with money just lives in gated communities. Right. right? That's right. <laughs> and insulates themselves. Or, or a family families. ranch. Our family ranch. If you, <laughs> yeah. Good, good if you can buy one, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's sad. I mean, and it's a, it's partially a consequence of bad policy, really. Yeah. I mean, we, what drives me nuts about the homelessness conversation, and and it is a legitimate public policy issue, right? I mean, it's a big problem. It's not a simple problem, and and they they slap that label on it, and they spend seven billion a year in the budget for it. And the, what they mostly did with last year's $7 billion homeless budget allocation is they pushed that down to counties to buy uh, rooms at old hotels and motels, right? Well, yay, great. You know, we did it. 
the problem a the problem's worse than it's ever been right so obviously that's not curing and some people are dispossessed from housing temporarily and that's a good fix for them some people want shelter and that's a good fix some people you know we need probably more homeless shelters than we have now and to the extent we're augmenting that that's great but i think the the, the reality is and the, this is something this legislature does not understand i think or the the governor does not understand is some people are living that lifestyle as a choice because they want to get high and they want to be off the grid. And, you know, in my community in Paso Robles, we've got homeless encampments in the Salinas Riverbed. It's a dry riverbed most of the year. And I went down and toured it and I talked to the people. We've got teams and task force. If you're mentally ill, there are people that go out and counsel you. You know, there's a mental illness component. There's a drug addiction component. There's a temporarily displaced from housing component. You can help some of those people. But then there's a component of people that are living off the grid, uh, getting high and tense, and that's how they want to live. Right. And we've we've removed ourselves, uh, or well, a better way to say it is, we, you know, we've we've passed laws and courts have issued decisions that have made it impossible to evict people off of public lands, essentially. Um, and we've taken out an important piece to solving the homelessness, solving they reducing the homelessness issue because. Now we, we can't go evict people off of state lands or public property. And with the loss of bail and the loss of with this uh, alignment by moving all these felons now down to county county jail, a lot of these people who are living in these homeless encampments, and I and I didn't say God bless you in a joking manner, I really mean it because a lot of these guys have, have problems. Yeah. But in the past, they would have went to jail and it would have brought, they would have got off, they would have dried up. I worked in psychiatric hospitals for, you know, when I was doing undergrad and as I, right before I went to law school, because I didn't go to school until I was older. So I, I worked in psychiatric hospitals for like about eight years, off and on, not full time, but off and on. And so- That, that explains a few things about you. It does. It does. Yeah. It explains why I'm in politics. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, it, but a lot of them would tell me like, you know, hey, if I hadn't been forced to come here, I would still be out there using yeah. It was that stop that made them reassess or was that one that was that one time that they had to go to jail where they couldn't get the drugs and it allowed them a breather. It, they weren't around the same people. Right. Right. And allowed them to make that that change that they needed to make. And then you've got services right there. And we right? had drug that, courts. That's integ integration into services. Right. Like, then that's that's got, right. They get clean. Then they go, you know, I don't want to live like this anymore. Right. And I want some help. And you've got the help right there. Right. right. I mean, right. It, it, you're in the system then. Mm. Uh, and we've removed all that. We've removed all of and it. And now, now they're intense. And we've seen, the, at the same time, we've seen this incredible growth in these people who otherwise would have been getting services. Yeah. And it's very hard to go give those services out in the community. You can't. In the, right? You can't. I mean, th there's no real like mobile no. aspect to that. Mm -hmm. It's it's a very difficult thing. So at the same time, <laughs> so we're talking about California and how bad it is, it's like we could talk about this forever. But at the same time, what we have seen in California is, and I got to give them credit. I got to give activists credit because if activists do one thing well, they activist. <laughs> they I wasn't bad. aware activist was a verb, but <laughs> yes, okay. it is. But I know what you mean. Activists can activists. Uh, like bugging the shit out of elected officials on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they well, do that doesn't... really well. I can assure you. Yeah. So, um, so I think at one point the activists got together and they said, hold it a second. This whole district attorney thing, like it doesn't say you got to come from law enforcement <laughs> or even 
be a prosecutor. <laughs> so you got to care. Uh, all you got to do is be an attorney. Let's get some public defenders elected as yeah, the prosecutor. Why don't we get Woo. our team in there? Yeah. And somebody said, no, San we can't San Francisco, do that. LA, New York, right? Philadelphia, Philadelphia, New York. Oh, New York. No, see, but it's, it's more. So anyway, I got to give them big ups on that because that was pretty smart. Well, and they got a funder. And they got a funder in George Soros. Soros. Yep. So, um, and I think Zuckerberg also is funding a lot of this shit. Your boy, the Lizard King. Not my boy. So uh, <laughs> you could get that on the record. So um, give them credit because, you know, I, I, I wonder like at what dinner party that happened. You know, they're like, hey, I got an idea. Um, so at the same time, they got their guys in there, right? And so do you remember these cartoons back in the 50s? It was before your time, but they played them. I don't remember anything from the 50s. <laughs> I wasn't born <laughs> until 77. I wasn't either, <laughs> but I saw it later. It was this sheepdog and a wolf, right? And every morning they would go to work. It was called Sam Sheepdog and Ralph Wolf. I've seen that. Yeah. And like, morning, Ralph. Morning, Sam. And they clock in, and the sheepdog had to protect the sheep, Right. Uh, but, you know, they would clock in and then they go do their respective jobs, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Ralph, Ralph Wolf would go and try to steal the sheep and Sam Sheepdog would try to protect the sheep. We have a situation and then, and now. They like, didn't they like shake hands and yeah, go, and go they, get they, a drink they, together yeah, afterwards? They, they, yeah. they, they clock yeah. out. See you tomorrow. Kind of See how tomorrow. lawyers work too. Yeah. And, yeah. But in California now we have a place, or in many places now, we have a place where Ralph Wolf. <laughs> there's is, no sheepdog. There's no sheepdog. Yeah. We got rid of Sam. Yeah. Ralph is on both sides. And I think a lot of this are the voter voters, I think, deserve a lot of the blame in this. So Bragg, the DA in Manhattan, you know, he came out and he said, hey, man, I was pretty freaking clear on this stuff. Like, this has been on my website. All I these told things you I, I wasn't going to prosecute any crime. <laughs> he, he did. You, you like, idiots. I was, is... you know, that was my whole campaign platform. Yes, <laughs> that's what he said. He's like, I was clear, man. Why are you guys, why are you all banging on me now? <laughs> um, and, but again, part of it is the Soros money, right? It takes money to get that message out there or get an anti-message oh, out there. L how many people live in LA County? 10 million? That's a big, expensive race. It is run for DA, race. so... And they got rid Takes of a really dough. good DA. So how do you feel really about Really good these, DA, actually. How do you feel yeah. about these new DA, this new this new strategy that the folks who want to protect the criminals, how do you feel about that? Uh, it makes me want to sign a recall petition <laughs> if I live there, which I don't and never would. But uh, I just, I think it's uh, quite bad for, for public safety. And also what you've seen is the mass resignation of career prosecutors. Uh, the people with the know-how and the experience that tend to handle your tough cases, your heinous rapes, your your terrorist cases, your high-level homicides, uh, your your complicated drug cases, drug cartel cases, sex trafficking cases. Like, you know, there um, a lot of those older deputy DAs or more experienced deputy DAs have, have resigned in protest over this. So you, you've lost an asset there in terms of, you know, your prosecution team uh, and and you know, I I was down in Irvine a couple weekends ago coaching my kids' soccer tournament, or at a soccer tournament on the, my son's team I coach, and the 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 difference between L.A. Oh God, and Orange County, it's amazing, is incredible. It's like amazing. I, I mean, I can't even describe it. You're driving through L.A. and you know to get to Irvine, and the roads are crap, and it just looks like the, the place is you see tents everywhere, and right. it just it looks like Bangladesh yeah. in parts of that. And then you get to Orange County and the freeways are, are perfect. Yes. The roads are perfect. Birds are singing. Birds are singing, chirping. <laughs> like the, yeah, You right. know, 
you know, she, my wife went on a run around the Irvine she area. She was faster? And she, yeah, she, she looked even better. You know? <laughs> she went on a run and she's like, I was like, did you see any homeless people on the run? You know, it's a public park or a trail type deal near the soccer field. And she's like, yeah, I just saw a couple, but they just kind of waved. They were really friendly. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. I mean, it, but there's a difference, right, in the way the DA and the sheriff are That's right. treating issues in Orange County and the way they are ignoring issues in Los Angeles. And there you have it, right? It's it's noticeable and it's – so. I don't think it'll last. I think there's a public backlash coming. I think there is. I think, you know. And that's how we got three strikes, right? We Back got in 94, people I was were here. tired of catch and release and that's violent right. crime was surging. And a that's lot right. of the same trends we're seeing now, uh, you know, organized retail theft is, you know, that's annoying and bad for society. But I mean, violent crime's up too. Violent crime's and up the, too. That's the stuff that wrecks people's lives, right? So- you know, I think there is probably a voter backlash brewing. I don't know what form it's going to take. Um, hopefully, we get some legislators that are a, a little more down the middle and thoughtful about mm -hmm. these public safety policies. But, I mean, there could be initiatives to undo some of these other problems we've had. Uh, and we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully, Cooper stays involved in that because he's been a good leader in that space. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there are others that can add their voices to that. But it, it does take resources. And we're coming, I feel like we're coming out of phase two where uh, we've, we've vilified law enforcement as a profession, like, you know, the, the whole defund the police movement right. and like assuming every cop is out there trying to be a racist and stuff like that. Um, I think we're seeing I, a turn in that now. I think that's turning. I think it's yeah. changing. Um, it never hit my community, right? Mm -hmm. We're, you know, we, we're very pro law enforcement and appreciative. And look, they're bad apples everywhere, right? I mean, you, you you weed them out. You know, you catch them and you you prosecute them and you do what you have to do. I mean, it's kind of interesting. I use this example. I don't know if I've ever used it publicly, but in private, um, in the five years and change I've been in the state assembly, I know of three teachers, uh, school teachers in my assembly district, that have been prosecuted for inappropriate behavior with children. Okay, I know of one cop in my district that's been prosecuted for inappropriate behavior with women. Okay, or he didn't get prosecuted. He got fired. Um, but nobody's out there going defund education. We've, <laughs> we've got three. Yeah, you know, right. No, look, like yeah. most of the people that do these important public service jobs are just trying to do a job that's difficult, do it well, and go home safely to their families. Right. You know. So why, why for some reason, because a handful of idiot, immoral cops did shitty things to people. Right. So often in other states, right? Right, right. Like, why are we assuming that, like, you know, hundreds of thousands of people have some malicious intent? It just, it makes no sense at all. Well- We don't do that with anything else. Nothing else. That I'm aware of, right? Mm -mm. I, at least mm -mm. correct what I would say right thinking people don't do that. <laughs> like, you don't just, you know, judge an entire group by the conduct of a few people. Well, we so do judge politicians. Well, we suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> uh, well, you know, for the first time, I think I actually feel hopeful that we are. Now, granted, our leadership, I think, is still trying to hold a line. Um, I think our – didn't you – you were telling me about a quote about the death row, that they want to shut death row and make it a place of healing. Oh, the governor said something about that. Death row on San Quentin, uh, he, he wants to convert it to a, a place of healing and rejuvenation or something. I don't 
I didn't I didn't capture the well, exact for, quote. But. First of all, I don't know when the last death was other than old age. I think that <laughs> happens on our death row. People die. Senior citizens die. That's you, natural you causes. Talk about overriding the will of the voters, right? The voters voted to keep capital punishment. They have voted to retain capital punishment as an option, mm-hmm. like I think three times in the last 20 years. And Newsom comes in and just says, ah, I'm stopping that. Who cares? Brown, at least, was like, I don't personally agree with capital punishment, but yeah, I, I, respect for the, that. I respect the will of the people. I will give him credit for that. And here's another one, because I'm having fun throwing out arguments that I think need to be out there in the public space that nobody ever talks about, right? Uh, the option of capital punishment in certain really heinous crimes uh, can be a very useful thing because people, and I have seen this from my time as a DA, uh, People will take a plea to life without Correct. parole yes. to avoid capital punishment. Yeah. And then you don't put jurors through a horrendous trial. You don't put the victims and the victim's family, I guess it's their family and homicides, uh, through horrendous trials. You don't put the court system through a horrendous trial. Mm-hmm. Um, that happens all the time. All, the, all time. the time. In fact, I would argue that's the best purpose of maintaining the death penalty is I, I think as from a, a leveraging u- point for, from, for pleas. From a utility standpoint, I, yeah. th- I think that's right. Yeah. Um, I also have no personal moral problem with it for certain individuals mm-hmm. that commit certain super heinous crimes. Like, yeah. I mean, there was a gang of five people that uh, kidnapped, raped, and tortured a 15-year-old who was being sex trafficked. And um, they all got prosecuted. The ringleader of that uh, took a plea to LWAP to avoid the death penalty. That, that, that happened when I was without parole. Life without parole. Yeah. So, I mean, there's... But I would have no problem if he was found guilty and the jury had sentenced him to death. I've got no moral issue with no, that. No, I'm, I'm with you. So, so, but, so I, I, but I think from a utility standpoint, and nobody yeah, ever talks about no that. No one ever talks about that. Okay, if you uh-uh. take that off the table, then th- here's your plea bargain. Here's your, you know, here's your range of plea bargain. Life without parole or life without parole? Like, what's the defendant going to say? <laughs> yeah, Screw it. I'll gamble with the jury. Yeah, yeah I'll, you know, court. all I need is one crazy yeah. person. Like, yeah. So, so I know we're... Wrapping up here, but in your in your career, what are some of the worst public safety laws that you've that have come across your your desk out there? Well, I think uh, eliminating felony murder rule was pretty bad. Uh, Skinner did a bill on that, and then they extended that to uh, attempted murder and all sorts of other types of uh, provocative act murder and other things like that. I mean, I think that had the effect of giving early release to, uh, uh, including to a guy I worked on a case putting behind bars. It was a uh, uh, just a horrible person. I mean, I think you know some really dangerous, really violent people are getting early release from from that, um, and getting, you know, a lot of them were convicted by plea, like they took a deal, right? Correct. I mean, you know, they were facing twenty five to life, for example, or fifteen to life, and they took sixteen fixed year term, right, or whatever it was, mm-hmm. and now you know we change the law and apply it retroactively to yeah. the people, and the, they're out in eight. That was that was you know, the part, the retroactivity of it. Uh, that that one crushed my soul. I mean, I think the watering down the sentencing enhancement for firearm use, um, which I talked about earlier, is quite bad. Um, I think the cumulative effect of uh, you know the bail elimination bills are bad. Uh, the voters stepped in, as we discussed, good, which is good. Uh, but then we effectively instituted zero bail for misdemeanors during COVID. Right. And that has contributed to all these problems we're seeing in the streets too. And we released tons of prisoners. We emptied our prisons and jails. Yeah. And, you know, 
I, I don't know. Like, I, I believe in rehabilitation. I believe some people are rehabilitated. I believe that is a worthy goal of a criminal justice system. I don't believe everybody that commits a misdemeanor needs to be locked up at all. Um, I think there is a tendency to to over, especially for prosecutors. You know, now I'm, I'm on defense side now, so maybe I see it a little differently. But there's this some almost like magical belief that jail time is going to fix things, but it does fix things for some people. Like it, it dry, dries out drug it users. It really does. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I try to be thoughtful and balanced on it. I mean, I, I'm not by any means like a lock them up and throw away the key person, but I tell you what, man, there are some violent, vicious, predatorial people out there in the world. And they prey on children. They prey on the weak in their community. Uh, they do not regard have the regard we all have for human life at all. Uh, they are pathological, sociopathic. I have met some of these people. I have prosecuted some of them. I have defended a few of them. Like there are people out there that need to be locked up for the rest of us to live in an ordered society that functions well. And that's the thing that people, a lot of, a lot of, the, a lot of my colleagues across the street, I just don't think they understand that. I don't think that, I don't know if it's a life experience thing or a worldview thing or uh, too much time living in the gated community thing mm -hmm. or too much time in the halls of some fancy academia, academia yeah. academic institution or whatever it is. But man, if you actually get out there and work in the system, yeah. um, and Cooper will tell you this, Tom Lackey will tell you this, career CHP guy, me from my time as a prosecutor and doing defense, like there are some vicious, vicious humans out there and they do horrible things to people, horrible. And you gotta acknowledge that and you gotta have policies and enable people to protect the rest of society from these people by incarcerating them after they're found guilty, right? After they they get their day in court, they get their right to jury trial if they want one, they get their due process. We've got constitutional safeguards that try to eliminate the error rate in terms of wrongful conviction. Is it perfect? No, humans conduct it. It's, nothing's gonna be perfect when you got humans making decisions, man. Like, and the alternative to that is to live in Mark Zuckerberg's robot universe. And I don't wanna live there either, right? So nothing's gonna be perfect, but um, I think a lot of these folks just, they have maybe never met those people or they've never I think that's, watched what the way their minds work. Uh, yeah. I think their life experience, right, is very limited. Yeah. Uh, the people that are elected. I remember, Many of the people are I remember working on a – this is a case when I was a federal law clerk. It came up to us for a habeas petition appeal, and the guy had uh, been sentenced to, to life, and he was a um, – you know, this uh, – I just add, – I add this for – to round this out, uh, he was a dude that worked at a, uh, at, I believe it was Fort Meade, a military base. He was a civilian, but he had a security clearance. Uh, he didn't like the fact that his ex-wife had a new boyfriend. Uh, he broke into the house, uh, killed the boyfriend. There were two kids that I believe were under 10 and beat his ex-wife to death in front of the children with, um, with a hammer. Okay. That guy had no prior criminal history. Like, I mean, think about the horrific nature of that. You know, just how vicious and cruel you have to be to do that to your ex-wife, to the mother of your kids in front of your own kids, right? So, you know, that that's the type of person I'm talking about, right? Yeah. They're out there. They are out there. They exist. Yeah. And, and society and law enforcement exist to protect us from them. And the court system exists to 
protect us from them, in part. You think California gets it back on track? You know, I'm getting more optimistic as I get older. Um, maybe it's like my impending approaching retirement from politics mm-hmm. <laughs> is giving me a little more detachment. Uh, I think there's a backlash brewing. Uh, I think when you actually go out and poll, which we've done for campaign-related reasons, uh, some of these super soft on crime, watered-down penalty stuff, they, they pull terribly. I know, they do. But uh, they don't know what's happening here. They don't pay attention, right? Right. Um, but then you have these breaking point issues like mm-hmm. the horrible homicide in Lamb Park. Right. Like, and, and those, uh, it's sad, but those stories will, will accumulate. Mm-hmm. There will be more and more and more of them. Uh, and then eventually the media, eventually, will clue in that there's a link between this stupid shit we've been doing and that, right? And then maybe there'll be more media coverage on it. And then somebody like a Cooper will fund an initiative and Target and Walmart and all these big box stores or whatever that are getting robbed blind. Will, mm-hmm. It'll finally reach the economic breaking point for them. And maybe they'll fund something. And, you know, a good start would be to undo that piece of Prop 47 on theft. Yeah, that would be a good start. That would be a very good start. And then I, I think there is a backlash. And, you know, everybody likes to hate on three strikes. But if you, I've looked at this data. I can't quote it from memory. But you look at the data on violent crime in California. Every Since 1994, when three strikes passed until they started watering it down, Violent crime dropped every single year because there's a small percentage of these predators out there that are doing most of these crimes. And when you lock them all away, then then the shock of shocks, the violent crime rate falls. That's the part that drives me crazy. Other than we do have those unicorns, those crime unicorns, right? Like your guy, Um, not your guy, but, you know, the guy that just his first crime was like, you know, a double murder. He had a a military security clearance. Yeah, that's, you know, those are those are the outliers. But almost always, almost always, um, and you brought that up for a perfect illustration, um, almost always these guys who end up committing these horrendous crimes, they've had They've got records. They've, almost all of them have that was the whole rap thing sheets, man. Three Strikes in 1994. It's like if we can put them away at an earlier stage, we save our community. They, they used that when they were trying to undo it. They used that example of the person that got 25 to life for uh, for. for robbing a pizza off of somebody or whatever the hell it was. Oh my God, I got so tired of hearing that. But they left out the fact that I think he had like two two rape convictions already, had done time for those. Those were his first two strikes. And then the pizza that he robbed, he he, he took it off somebody at gunpoint and threatened to shoot him. <laughs> right, <laughs> so right. Like, oh yeah, it wasn't like, hey, thanks for that. Oh, I'll take that pepperoni. But no, it was like, Give yeah. me the pizza, motherfucker! Right, right. after two right. rapes, edit that part out. Yeah, yeah. it's like yeah. that's exactly the kind of person that's we want to we incarcerate. Want okay, that's right. you know, I it's it, it it's just so dishonest to voters. Some sometimes some of these campaigns, uh, uh, but I think people will it'll reach a flashpoint or a breaking point. People have had enough, and there you know there there needs to be a vehicle to let mm-hmm. them outlet that. But and I think it's pro- par- partially the obligation of people running for office too to you know, use that issue where it makes sense to you. You know, I mean, th- these, and and that's probably not everywhere in the state, right? Uh, but, y- you know, I think crime is resurging. If you look at statewide polling, it's it, the importance, it, it's showing up in more and more top three lists of voters. Yeah, it is. You know, that people are getting, hey, something's going wrong here and this ain't working, right? right. They don't know exactly what. They don't follow this and study but it like this we do, working. right? But this ain't working, right? And candidates need to say, hey, you know, 
you know, enough's enough. We got to we got to start prosecuting dangerous people again. And I think they are. I hope so. So I share your optimism in California. Um, I think we have reached that point. And Jordan, thank you so much for your service. Um, I'm going to miss you, man. You've been one of my favorite guests. You really have been. Oh, thanks. Um, You'll be back again. I enjoy it. Yeah. Because we've got to bang on. I'm not dead yet. We did. (laughs) I still got 10 more months. Who are you? Who are you? (laughs) I can't wait for you to start ignoring my calls. It's going to be really fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there you are. You have never disappeared. Q, Q, can I get on that podcast again? Who's this? Yeah, is this Jimmy? <laughs> Jimmy Cunningham. Uh, all right, Jordan Cunningham. Thank you so much, man. Enjoyed, Enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. All right. Bye. She my trap queen, let her hit the bed, no We be counting up, watch our father Ben's go We just said it go, talking matching Lambos 50, 60 grand, rob a hundred grams though Man, I swear I love her, how she working on the post